Welcome to Funding the Dream. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and you are listening to episode 145. My guests today are um, three individuals who have done a tremendous amount of research around the whole movement of crowdfunding, published a, a paper under a PhD program, and uh, were recently highlighted on a Forbes article with Devin Thorpe. And I uh, watched that interview with they did and thought this would be a great opportunity to have them come and talk to you, our audience, about crowdfunding and the things that they have been learning. So I wanted to invite and thank for being here Gord Birch, Anindo Gosh, and Sunil Watal. Gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having us. Okay, so let's, let's just start off. Um, crowdfunding is, the, is obviously a new thing. Now, those who are listening – have been paying attention to it for quite a while. Some are, are brand new. But the three of you decided that you wanted to uh, sit down and kind of research this specifically. Uh, Anindo, how did, how did it come about, about that you worked on this project and delivered this paper? Um, so uh, Sunil Watal and I have known each other for about a decade now. We were both colleagues at Carnegie Mellon while pursuing our PhD. Uh, so when he graduated, he joined Temple University, um, and then Gord joined as a doctoral student in Temple about four years back, and uh, he was being advised by Sunil. Sunil asked me to come if I was interested in co-advising Gord and working on this project, so that's how we started uh, working on this. All right, and uh, so the three of you came together a couple of years ago with this crowdfunding, and... Uh, what, what were you expecting? What was the kind of the plan? Did you have an idea of what you were looking at what was going to happen when you went into this project? Was there certain expectations that you had? Uh, frankly, I didn't have anything at all because I mean, this was a very, very nascent domain. Um, you know, we were as curious as anybody else in understanding uh, the patterns of behavior of individual users, both investors and entrepreneurs. And so, you know, it was really God who, and this was all part of the dissertation. And so this was really he who, God drove the project. And so I'll let him talk more about it. But when I, going into the project, I didn't have a priority, any, any um, clue as to what we would find. Gord? Right. So um, initially I got into this because a, a family friend of my wife's actually started a crowdfunding business back in 2006. And... Uh, I had known that he was working that for a little while, but he was kind enough to be willing to share his data with me so I could try and get a sense of what was going on there. Um, and as far as my expectations, I had a, well, we as a group actually had research question where we were trying to understand because you can see in most crowdfunding markets what everybody else is doing, where they are investing or lending or contributing their money. Uh, we wanted to try and understand if there's some sort of social influence going on there and how that might aggregate over the course of the funding process. Uh, didn't have an idea about what that social influence would look like, but that was sort of the main focus going into it with the first project. When you say uh, – this is going to be interesting to my listeners. When you say a family member had a crowdfunding business, was it a business about crowdfunding? Was it a business that was supported through crowdfunding? So it was a crowdfunding platform. Oh, okay. So it was supported um, – it was called Camisa. It's since gone out of business. It was based in Chicago, but it was essentially like threadless, but you would give money to support a T-shirt as opposed to voting on one. Got it. Got it. Okay. Perfect. And so now you guys kind of came together and decided you were going to do this to see if there was specifically – you said something there specifically about this uh, – uh, the influence that it was having on crowdfunding. You want to explain that a little bit? Right. So 
typically in in most crowdfunding platforms, so Kickstarter, Indiegogo, uh, to varying degrees, you can see who is giving money to different campaigns, how much they're giving, when they're giving it, uh, and there's a really high degree of transparency there, and at the same time, a high potential for people to see what other people are doing and react to that. So, so that was sort of the main thing that I was referring to there uh, when I was saying we wanted to understand the social influence across contributors in the funding process. Got it. So um, what was the methodology then that you went about? Uh, you picked the platform you picked and kind of the category you picked because, as we've just already identified, there are a lot of crowdfunding platforms out there, uh, and there's a new one popping up every day, it seems like. Right. How did you, the three of you make the decision about, and then different categories, which category and which platform that you're going to focus on? Well, there are two aspects to this. This is Sunil. There are two aspects to this. Uh, one is we wanted to study a diverse set of crowdfunded platforms, and we started with Spot.us, which is uh, more of a donation-based platform, uh, crowdfunding for journalism. Since then, we have moved uh, to study other platforms like Kiva, which is a crowdfunding platform for international loans. And we're also working with Indiegogo, which is more of your tradition, typical uh, crowdfunding site, which offers like rewards uh, for, for, for the projects. Um, there's also the new type of crowdfunding, which is the equity-based crowdfunding, which is coming up. And we are looking to partner with someone who has a platform and who can share some data with us to analyze um, some of the questions that we want to answer in that domain. As you were starting this, Sunil, has at the beginning of the process to the end of the process, have you noticed a change? I mean, you started off with kind of some ideas of where you wanted to look, but over time, did that change what you were looking at and how you were looking at it? Oh, yes, definitely, because this is such a new area and there's so, so many changes happening, you know, almost uh, on, on a daily or a monthly basis. So to begin with, we had this broad question in mind, is, uh, which God talked about to study the social influences, but uh, since then, we have kind of uh, moved on to study a, a whole lot of other questions as well. For example, in Kiva, we studied uh, the impact of geographical and cultural differences between people and how that affects their propensity to lend to each other. In, um, in, in, in some other platforms, we're trying to study um, role of anonymity, like people can hide their information and how does, how does those mechanisms influence the social influence and uh, like whether people choose to reveal who they are when they contribute to a project and how does that impact the subsequent contributions. So, I mean, on a, I mean, every now and then we look at these platforms and, you know, there's so much, so many questions we think of and so it's like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> I can imagine that the further you got into it, the more you wanted to know. And just to build on that, Richard, uh, in just talking about Spot itself, when we first went into this, we thought we'd be, we'd be looking at the antecedents, the, the questions around why people contribute on crowdfunding platforms. Uh, but as we started working on this, we realized that if we had access to data on what happens after they contribute, we could answer a yet another set of interesting questions. And so the project evolved from looking at just, uh, you know, why people contribute to also what happens after they contribute, what happens to those projects. And that, were, that made us look at issues around, you know, consumption of these projects that were crowdfunded and, and how successful they were and so on. 
Let, let, we got a number of counterintuitive results from, from that, looking at that aspect of it. And let's be clear what we're talking about there. Um, when you say what happens after the contribute, you're not talking about there's two different after the, the contribute. There's after the project ends and what happened to the project. But you're talking about literally if I make a contribution, the impact that has on future contributions within the time frame of the crowdfunding project. Is that what you're referring to with after the contribution? No, so so that is true. So we do look at what happened. Like if I make a contribution, how do other people behave after looking at my contribution? But what I was referring to is what happens after the project ends uh, in, in the sense that in this case, we are looking at investigative journalism. So we are answering questions like, you know, how many people actually read those articles? So how much time do they spend on those articles? You know, how likely are they to be consumed? Got uh, it. And so, so that's... And that brings up, well, sorry, and that brings up your next, the next question, that is the category that you, you focused on. There's a, such a wide range of different projects. You picked, um, if, I, if I read that correctly, you focused in on journalism. Right, yeah. Now, I have, to, I have to admit, journalism would be a surprising category because it, for many people who are in the, as it was referred to, the traditional rewards-based crowdfunding, journalism doesn't pop up much as a, uh, as a driver of uh, of crowdfunding effort, but you guys focused in on that. What was the what was the decision around that choice, and kind of what did you find that in that category? So we dove into journalism first, um, mostly because of the nature of the projects we're talking about. So because so a challenge that we kind of face with a lot of crowdfunding platforms like Indiegogo or like you would find with Kickstarter is that there's such a wide variety of projects that they're hard to compare with one another if you're trying to look at their outputs. So if you're trying to look at consumption of the project after it's finished and there's a product being sold or there's a movie being screened or and there's just such a wide variety of things, it's really difficult to compare them apples for apples. So we wanted to pick a platform where there was sort of one uniform type of project going on. And so we chose one, journalism. And journalism was good for that as well because the nature of the product. So you're reading this thing and we can actually operationalize that by looking at web traffic statistics. So the data was readily accessible where we could actually see how much time are people spending on these articles or how many people are showing up over the course of a period of time. And that's a really valid point. For anybody who follows Kickstarter or Indiegogo, the two, the two large ones on the rewards-based crowdfunding, each sub-Kickstarter, we'll use that as an example, 13 subcategories, excuse me, 13 categories, 50 subcategories, and yet each category is so unique in its own almost operating its own market dynamics that just because you have success in one category, if you launch another crowdfunding project in a, in a different category, the rules change. And you just said film, manufacturing, um, music, whatever it might be. So you, you focused in on the journalism. Do you, so we only have a couple more minutes. Uh, what are some of the points that you pulled out of this that maybe the listeners would be fascinated to know that in, in your category that you're looking at in journalism, what are some of the things that you found out? Um, well, I guess, you know, uh, the, perhaps the most fascinating to me is that um, when you think about funding durations and you ask an entrepreneur, do you want a longer funding duration or a shorter one to meet his or her budget, a uh, targeted budget, most likely they'll say a short one. They want a quick funding duration. What we found is that actually uh, shorter funding durations are not necessarily better. In fact, longer funding durations can be better because a longer duration uh, gives the entrepreneur sufficient time to generate more awareness and word of mouth and buzz about his project or her project. 
and that at the towards the end after the project is uh, ends uh, that word of mouth or awareness can lead to greater consumption of the final output because so and, this, and sorry sorry to interrupt because you're tracking consumption of the output is journalism so you can see what i think gord was referring to the statistics you can see how many people read it how many people shared it how much time they spent on it Exactly. So we know how much time people spend on it, how many people read it. And, and again, this is unique to, in this particular case, we could identify consumption patterns. And so I thought, you know, that itself was pretty surprising and counterintuitive. Uh, so longer funding durations is not necessarily bad for you. That's the message here. And that's, that's interesting because you say the term counterintuitive because having talked to a lot of project owners, it's, it's double counterintuitive. It's uh, you would think that longer would be better because you have more money, but then uh, there's a whole body of work that says no shorter is better because the energy and pe people paying attention. But yeah. now that's counterintuitive. No, if you're if you're looking for after the project, having it run longer drives, as you're saying, awareness, uh, understanding, and time to develop the project. Exactly. Yeah. We we only have time for uh, probably one more point. Was there one other piece of data that maybe came out of this that uh, uh, you found fascinating? Well, I think actually an interesting point would be to build on that last point that we just made. Um, there's sort of an interesting implication that comes out of this finding, which is it depends what your focus is. So what's your priority? Are you trying to raise a lot of money and you don't know if you're going to be able to do it? Or are you more worried about getting, getting attention and awareness for your project after the fact once it's out there? If you already have an established user base, so maybe you're a game studio and you already have a long following for a couple of decades and you've just gotten into crowdfunding because it's a new source of money, Maybe you already have a dedicated following, so building the awareness and the buzz may not be as big of an issue for you, in which case you may want a shorter funding duration just to make sure you hit your target and you keep up the momentum. If you're somebody that doesn't have a lot of awareness and you don't have a big user base, maybe you do want the longer funding duration so you can get that established. Excellent point, and that's a great, a great way to end. Gentlemen, thank you for taking some time uh, out of your very busy schedule, bringing the three of you together to kind of talk about this. How would somebody go and find out uh, where your research – about this research and be able to read this paper? So all of our articles end up on what's called the Social Science Research Network, SSRN.com. So if you go and search on any of our last names, you'll find a list of papers there. Uh, so that's the easiest way. Okay, let me just go ahead and spell those last names. B-U-R-T-C-H, that's Gord Birch. Uh, Ghost, J, excuse me, G-H-O-S-E. And then Watal is W-A-T-T-A-L. If you search on any, any one of those, the article will pop up. Yeah, it'll be listed there under our names. And just because you are uh, PhDs, um, the title is something that nobody's going to remember in their head. So I'll go ahead and read it off. Uh, that's a little fun poking at it. An empirical examination of – tell you what, why don't you read it off? An empirical examination of the antecedents and consequences of contribution patterns in crowdfunded markets. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I think uh, I've read it. Uh, I've read uh, through – excuse me. I've read through the abstract. Uh, it looks fascinating, and uh, I'm very interested in your data and, and the conversation that we've had because it uh, – like you said uh, – it was counterintuitive about some of the information that you found out, and this just continues to grow. Are we going to see any more work from the three of you around this uh, topic? Definitely. Oh. All right, back. Lots of grinding. Perfect. Gentlemen, thank you very much for, uh, for joining me on the show. Thanks for having us, Richard. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Funding the Dream. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. My guests have been um, three 
individuals who have come together focused around uh, a doctorate on crowdfunding. They've written a paper, uh, and uh, I think it's a, a pretty fascinating topic that you're going to find some great information in there. If you're looking at doing crowdfunding around a a uh, different category that maybe is outside the mainstream, I think it'd be well worth uh, going and, and tracking that down and doing a little research. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you've heard something that's been inspirational. I know I have. This has been a great uh, conversation. We look forward to seeing your project out there so we can help you fund your dream. Thanks for listening. Take care.